0: Hey guys, how are you? Welcome back to Shuffle & Flow episode 3. We are at Roxanne's Bar
1: in Long Beach, California. We have the beautiful Michael, Na- Nathan
2: Prebost, Aaron,
1: and Mr. Aaron. Um, so we want to continue our discussion from last time about our, how we all got started and what motivated us to dance, why we dance, who were the supportive factors that allowed us to start dancing and I want to ask Nathan. So, mm. you grew up in Northern California. Yes. North of San Francisco.
2: Yeah. Sonoma, right. A little town called Sonoma, which now has become, you know, a shishi wine town. But that time it was just uh, shit kickers, hippies, artists, and uh, farmers. Mm-hmm. And um, we uh, had a very alternative lifestyle growing up. Went, I didn't really go to a public school. I went to this, um, most people would, would think of it as a hippie school, no grades, no tests, no. You know, smoking pot with your teachers and stuff that's what we were doing <laughs> you know we would just sometimes you know how old were you um from grade 2 to grade till i was 11 we didn't have po- grade, sm- so we smoking pot know. at 2
0: grade um, 2 from... eight,
2: eight, well age 8 <laughs> yeah which i don't recommend <laughs> dad was like i always say in my you know it's like i don't think you're going to school today son oh no, no way. we had a, literally we had a 60 foot hedge on the road <laughs> in our garden um, when I was like nine years old or 10 years old. Hedge, oh, of, no, no, hedge. of
1: pot. Hedge of pot. Marijuana. <laughs> that <laughs> was your, it was, that it was your not, garden yeah. hedge. That was our garden
2: hedge <laughs> on the road. On, uh, that was on what, Mesquite Lane or something like I that. I love it. 19199 Mesquite. Anyways, we were, um, we were not your typical family. I had a, a big brother and my mom and dad, and that was it. Um, we, we lived outside a lot. We lived in the woods. We lived under tents. We lived in under, I uh, had a parachute for a while that I had found. And um, we, uh, it was very, very untraditional. I started working at 11 and, and um, was giving my dad rent um, when, when, when I lived under my parachute, um, paying him 30 bucks a month. And he left. I was like, we don't even have a house. What, a, you know? Your dad uh, charged you rent? Yeah, he got really mad one night, and, and this was right before he moved out for the first time, and, and um, I had to start giving him money. And uh, I don't even know if my mom and my brother knew, but... That was he was like you've, From now on, you you know you want to go to the dentist. You're paying for it. You want new clothes. You're paying for it. You want you how know, old that were you? Eleven. 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 So I got a job. You know, Jesus. on the ranch where we were living, um, which is now it's like a holistic healing retreat center. It's a me- beautiful, marvelous place called the Westerbeck Ranch, and uh, amazing people there. And uh, it's a legit, super, just amazing place. I can't even. I could go. I could talk for ten hours about that. But um, uh, I didn't start dancing until I was thirteen. Uh, my mom and I were best friends, basically. And there was a class in Sonoma that was in a jazzercise studio. It was called The Dance Studio, cement so floor, like you. And um, uh, a brilliant, brilliant jazz teacher, jazz dance teacher in there called Lynn Berlhanti. She was my first teacher, and I could cry about her all afternoon because <laughs> she, she means so much to me. Um, my mom and I literally took my first dance class together. I was 13, she was 40. We became addicted first class, that was it. I called my soccer coach the next day, I said, coach, Mr. Schlobaum, I'm not coming in. Schlobaum. He's like, what? I'm like, I'm dancing. There's girls, it's warm. <laughs> I was like in the winter league of soccer in Sonoma. Back then in Sonoma, it actually snowed. Um, not anymore, but you know, that's another <laughs> subject. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, this was like 1978. So um, Saturday Night Fever had just come out, uh, Grease, um, these movies where it was all, all of a sudden... Thank, Staying thanks Staying alive, to, all that, yeah. Yeah, thanks to, um, what was his name? John Travolta. John Travolta, thank you very much. Uh, it was okay for guys to dance, and, and not that I really had any kind of a peer group. I wasn't in school at this point. I stopped going to school. I was 13, 7th grade, what's that? 13? 13? 13. 13. Um, so I wasn't in school. I was working um, um, mostly, like, kind of full-time. Um, so I took dance classes for a year in Sonoma, and my jazz teacher sat me down, she said this tomorrow, um, there's an audition for the San Francisco Ballet School and you should go. I'm like, I've had four ballet classes, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I don't even know what that is, what's a San Francisco Ballet, I right. really actually said that. What's a San Francisco Ballet? I didn't, I hadn't spent, I've been to the city maybe four or five times, um, maybe more than that, but, but you're this big, yeah, you don't yeah, know, yeah, yeah. you know? And uh, I was gonna have to, like, if I got the scholarship, I was gonna have to go to the city uh, like every day. Um, or at least it started off to be three or four days a week and then after that like in once st- Well, I went the next day. I'm cutting the story short. My mom drops me off outside Takes off. She's gonna go to the museum show that she was interested in I go in and um, I'm like at the desk I'm here for the audition all like, by yourself all by myself I'm, I'm in awkward awkward 14 zit face, you know, <laughs> and I've had my, my my armed with my four ballet classes and uh, And they're like that was yesterday. I'm like, oh well, what do I do? Oh no! They're like, well, I guess you know. They're like, well, how long have you been dancing? I'm like, for a year, but I've only had four ballet classes. They're like, ugh. <laughs> There's a class starting soon that is your age group, but you're not going to be able to handle it. So go in, I'm like, super confident. Right. Go in there, and I was I was out of my league. I was way done. But I had good feet. I still had great feet. Yeah, amazing. I had good um, a good rhythm. I had no vocabulary. Were you, were
0: you flexible? Because you're, you're no, quite flexible. No, I'm flexible now, but yeah, I was flexi- not
2: flexible then. I was really, really tight. I was a soccer player. Yeah. So, um, uh, no, it took me six years of stretching every day to get the splits. You know, I didn't get the splits until I was 19. And, uh, but every day, in front of the TV. I wasn't watching Carol Burnett, but yeah, we, we, we you know, it was more like Hogan's Heroes. Right. Stretching. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah I remember that. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Lying in bed with books, So I got the with scholarship books, these, with, with some of these amazing teachers that were like original, like, Anatoly Vilsack was. Wait, wait. F- so you got the? I got, you got, the, I, got the, I got into the school. I didn't get a scholarship. Okay. I got into the school okay. from okay. that class. From that. Uh, from they let me in, but they put me in with the nine-year-olds. Yeah. So I had to go down to San Francisco three or four days a week. It was like first. First, it started off like Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday all that day. That before Bart. And before <laughs> Bart, so I had to take um, Golden Gate Transit, which was two and a half hours each way on the bus because wow. it gets off at every exit stops gets it off at every exit, gets it off at San Rafael, then you gotta wait for a transfer, or go there. So what time did you transfer. wake up in the morning? I would get up, um, when I, if I had to be there like at nine, I had to get up at five. And um, a lot of the times I would, we, there was this family that lived across Sonoma, across town that would give me a ride to Petaluma to get to the bus at like, to get a like a 6 a.m. bus yeah. to get to the city by for a 9 a.m. class. A lot of times my mom would give me a ride to Petaluma or sometimes, very rarely, my dad would, my dad would sometimes pick me up. And then Ladies also, and gentlemen, he's
1: 13 years old- was with, this, yeah. with this discipline. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, so
2: I would ride my bike across town at 5 a.m. to get the, to the thing. And I wouldn't get home till 10 o'clock at night. And I right. wasn't eating. Mm. My, you know, I should have been six, six foot tall, but I was malnourished <laughs> as a, as a teen, Taking 21 ballet classes a week. Oh, and then they, like I'm in there for, for like a month and a half, they said, oh, so you're gonna be the prince in the Nutcracker. I'm like, I don't know what that is. They're like, right. it's the lead. You're on stage the whole time. So we're gonna need you here every day for rehearsals. I'm like, every day? Okay, so that, financially, this is a big burden on me. It's like $2.85 on the bus each way, and I'm making $2 an hour when I'm working. So I have to be there every day, I don't get to work. So um, I'm staying on people's couches. I'm, I'm, you know, basically living in San Francisco. at San Francisco Ballet in 1979. This is like Harvey Milk time. Wow. It's, a, it's, a, it's an extremely gay environment. That not that that's a bad thing. It's just really hard on a 14-year-old who's never seen anything like that at all, and it's not like they weren't extremely aggressive. So there's that whole conversation that could be had as well. But I'm not even going to talk the about Me that. The Me Too
1: movement on, on young gay young boys. Whew, I had to yeah. come
2: out straight. One of my one of my good friends was like, so you really literally had to come out straight. I'm like, yeah, actually I did because it was like all my peers and all my authority figures were all gay, and. Um, Oddly enough, the gay ones weren't the ones that were hitting on me. The ones that were straight were the ones, like my bosses. I got a job at a doctor's office, like for um, orthopedic surgeons. I was a file clerk. They all hit on me, and like seriously, I could have really sued Dr. Calendar big time. I probably shouldn't <laughs> x out his name, but literally, he's like, he's meet, me, meet, he's me, I, he's meet me, meet me, Meet me after work, son. I'll, I'll, I'll impale you. I mean, I mean, um, <laughs> I mean, uh, let uh, me crack you. Let me, uh, <laughs> let me wow. investigate you because I wasn't walking well because I was in 21 ballet classes we can, Forcing my turnout, they beat us with sticks back then. Yes, that shit don't fly nowadays. Yes, yes, yes. Literally I got beaten with, me sticks with sticks in yeah. ballet as well. Yeah. And, and it was incredible, t- um, you know, training. I got some some of the most unbelievable teachers: Larry Grenier, uh, Daniel Job from from Royal Danish and, and Bejar. I mean, these these t- teachers that were just like from from all. There was, I mean, uh, Richard Kamek from from ABT. There were uh, Zola Deschamps was my first real teacher yeah. there. She was Amazing. from ABT, SAB, and San Francisco Ballet. She was incredible. She's still incredible. Contra Costa Ballet. Wow. And um, um, Anatoly Vilsack was Pavlova's partner. Wow. He ran the, the school at Mariinsky Ballet wow. in the 20s. Wow. And he was in his 90s then, in the 70s. And he was still teaching. And I got to take class from this man, Amazing. who was with De Agulav, who was with oh, the Ballet Russe. It was like, I, that's from the source. That's the real this deal. This is the source. That's Nijinsky, exactly right. he danced the, the, with Nijinsky yeah, and great and Pavlova. Yeah. Wow. The lineage, oh, the Danilova. pedigree.
0: Danilova. Danilova. sorry. The pedigree is amazing, well, but you know. But I love that. That that's. There's so many charlatans around now. you were at a time when when it's just
2: incredible. Right. Yeah. Pedigree. No, there's only training. one passe. It's mm. that one position. You hit that position. And that's not your variation of the passe. Mm-hmm. It's connected. It's turned out mm-hmm. from the hip. Mm-hmm. You're like lah, lah, lah. Mm-hmm. I could go on forever about that too. But, anyways. Um, this whole time I'm taking jazz classes still from Lynn, and from Lynn, my, my teacher, had taken me to San Francisco to her teacher, Anne-Marie Garvin, who was a big jazz dance legend in Northern California, San Francisco, and she had started this show. She bought a theater and put on a show called Dance Between the Lines. Lynn was in the show. I auditioned for it, for the original cast. I was 15. That's a little too young. Um, didn't get the show. But you, all my friends you, from, from the studio that I was taking class at. I bet you got close. For three or four days a week, as much as I could afford, because it was $6 a class, mm-hmm, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going there and and I'd watch the show, I'd go and, and, and they'd let me in without a ticket, you know, because it was $17.95 for dinner and a show back then. <laughs> um, they were incredible, they ran the theater, they the, cooked the food, served it, ran the bar, the box office, the lights, the sound, everything. Um, it's the whole bar so dance I got, idea. So when I was 15, I got a, a lease. I was living in San Francisco. Um, I had like five, eight roommates or something. It was just like musical <laughs> house, musical, you know, whatever. One bathroom. And um, uh, still going to San Francisco Ballet School, doing the whole thing, doing the performances. Um, since I was, there was only like six or eight guys in the school, I was learning all kinds of the choreography, Romeo and Juliet, songs for Dead Warriors, all kinds of different, like the backup parts. You know what I mean? I got to be a supernumerary for... Mm-hmm. Uh, for or, um, for Stuttgart Ballet with Marcia Hady oh, and wow. Richard Cragen yeah. doing triple tours on oh, stage—unbelievable! Oh <laughs> Getting exposed to this type of athleticism and artistry all in one. She mm-hmm. was incre- Marcia Haiti was in um, mm-hmm. Taming of the Shrew was like it was, right. it was she, she was incredible. I got to watch it every night. So cool. I was only for a few weeks, but um, they still owe me money. <laughs> <laughs> San Francisco Ballet took my money for that. It now was with like, compound was interest. Of <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Speaking yeah. of investments, yeah, um, anyways. I finally got the show Dancing Between the Lines when I was 16 and um, got to do got to be in that show and I left the, the ballet school because um, I was madly in love with this show, with this style of jazz. It was um, it was so difficult, it was so specific, it so was so difficult. right on, it was so hard.
0: What, like Luigi? What kind um, of
2: style? Jack Cole. Jack Cole, Jack Cole, Jack Cole. Ronnie Lewis. Um, Lots it of was, turns, uh, yeah, lots of contractions, yeah, yeah. Lines, contractions shoulders, choreographed groundwork. to the pinky nail, yeah. choreographed yeah. down to the button, and all kinds of props. And I, um, I was one of the people that was in charge of getting the props here and there because we had no backstage. There was no cross uh, crossover behind the back right, wall. Right, right. So we had to store everything, and 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 the show's dynamics backstage were just incredible. It was an, that was my college education. I worked there. Uh, I was there to, from 16, 17, 18. I quit when I was 18 to move to LA. Wow. Um,
1: and that was in 84? That was in 83.
2: 83. So um, I had, I saved, I quit the show. I saved up all the money that I had. I bought a 69 Dodge Dart Swinger. And I knew one <laughs> person in Long, in, in Laguna Beach. Um, was like a, kind of like an uncle, like a dear brother, uncle guy. And um, so I stayed with him for a few weeks. Uh, I don't remember exactly how long, but I know I still owe him money for <laughs> telephone calls. <I> <laughs> to San Francisco. And I think there's that Talking Heads um, a tape that I owe him. Um, it was like a... A cassette tape of the Talking Heads. I think but you I, borrowed, I borrowed it and, borrowed had it, had and gave it back. back and I apologize, John. in down um, Yeah, totally. Um, anyways, came down here, lived in that car for a while. Couldn't find a place to live. Finally, I was at Duprey's, and um, the first pe- Duprey Dance Academy was a huge. Was like the most between Dupre's and Tremaine's, the two most popular dance academies at the time. Duprey closed late '80s. Um, it was a beautiful space. There were incredible teachers there. My first class in L.A. was Jackie Slights' Invitational Jazz 5. was supposedly the hardest class in town. Um, I wasn't invited, but I went anyway, because I walk in the door, and I see two people who I knew from San Francisco who were on scholarship at Dupre's. They were from San Francisco. They were modern dancers. And we had just done a commercial together up there, which I lucked out in, because I got my SAG card before I moved to L.A. I did a SAG commercial there with Nancy Gregory, was the choreographer, yes. and Cheryl Baxter, of all people. Fantastic. It was the only person from LA that they'd flown up to assist Nancy Gregory to be in the Fantastic. commercial. So I got this commercial. It was for Mellow Yellow with the Greg Kinn band. It never played, I don't think, because I never got a residual. But it doesn't matter. It was, I got my SAG yeah, card. For that sure. was was, I paid $632 to join SAG at that time. Now it's, what, four grand or something? Um, yeah, some it on. was a pretty uh, lucky and awesome time. Came to LA, took Jackie's Jazz 5. Uh, Because Frank and Arlene my friends recommended it and um, I was one of those that was back when Jackie would like pull people out from the class To do it the last time and say like this is how it's supposed to be done It was me and Eddie Garcia and Victor Manuel that she picked to do to do that combination and I was in I was addicted I was hooked her style was so different from what I had done The lines and the technique were somewhat I'd never done pirouettes pulled up before Mm -hmm. that were parallel I'd never done and and Eddie Garcia pirouetted his age in that class, <laughs> he was 14 and did 14 pirouettes in class. He can still do it parallel, and he, and he can and still do it. <laughs> and he's 50. <laughs> and he he's amazing. One of the most amazing, <laughs> amazing dancers. We ought to have this guy on the on show. No, no, definitely, amazing. he's good. Yeah. Anyways, um, so I knew I had a lot of work to do, a long way to go. But Jackie hired me a few times, a lot actually. Um, she was like one of the only ones because I was still I was living in my car. I was um, showering at. Debbie Reynolds Studios or at Dupre's um, sleeping in the farmer's market parking lot um, because they would lock the gates and the cops couldn't get you. Hey. <laughs> smart. I was a smart totally kid, right? Smart. So you didn't have end to with that billy club tapping on the windshield in the middle of the night going, hey man, move along. But boy. you didn't
0: have to pay for parking back then.
2: No, it was there was oh. a Bead Alton bookstore. You know what bookstores are? They, <laughs> they were these stores that sold books. You know what a book is? It's like a paper. No, no, no. Yeah. You're getting too right? deep now. <laughs> Sorry. There was a bookstore and it was in the middle of the parking lot. It was it was separate from the farmer's market. And I would go around, and I would uh, at, at, at late at night. I would go into the bookstore until they closed, and I'd buy a couple of books because there was a there was like a return section or a damaged book section. You get them for a quarter, and that's all I did. That's how I got my education. I never went to high school. I, was, I never went to college. Yeah. I just read, read, read. That's all I did. I Nathan just read never stopped I could read. reading. You know? Was, you're, and
1: you're an amazing inspiration. Just started that to,
2: way, I just that's how I, I knew I, I I knew I was going to be behind in life if I didn't read stuff, and uh, and I, I'm still behind in life, but but at least I read a lot of stuff, you know. Um, so I would park behind the Beat Alton bookstore, which was like I said, separate from the farmers market and all that stuff. And they the security guards, they didn't really have security back then. They would just lock up. See you later. And you would be locked in for them for the whole night, but I didn't care. I had water and, you know, some bread probably. we <laughs> had French bread and some salami. So <laughs> you uh, need just still malnourished. <laughs> <Yeah>. You know. <laughs> oh god. Hilarious. Yeah, I wonder why I had yeast infection. Oh, oh. No. TMI, baby. T M I. Oh my god. Oh. Oh, my oh my man. Goodness. So um so, yeah, I, I started working for a bit and did okay. Got, had some roommates, got an apartment. Um, went on a downward spiral. Couldn't get, couldn't book anything. I um, uh, was living in my car again. Uh, um, my car broke down, lost the car. <laughs> living on the street. No. Um, I, I, uh, I, I, can't remember his name oh man i wish i knew his name uh he had like four dollars and we got gas to go up to debbie reynolds studios to go to a grover dale audition nobody knew who grover dale was back then he's from new york choreographer big choreographer original hi, west side story hi grover gave me a, gave me one of my first big jobs in la it was a, it was a pontiac industrial tour he could see he'd been doing it for so long he could see how desperate i was and he gave me this job. He knew I couldn't really sing. He knew I could dance like a motherfucker, but, but I couldn't. I, I, we needed to sing. And um, I learned how to sing on the job <laughs> and uh, learned how to tap on the job, too. He hired me, um, but I still didn't have a place to live. And so we rehearsed in the Methodist church parking lot on Highland and, and Franklin. And so I lived in the parking lot and would shower in, in the church. And uh, um, uh, got for, after first, first paycheck, got my car fixed um, and uh, put my back out. All kinds of crazy stuff on that job. I was kind of stressed, I guess. Um, Just a little bit. We, we had a great time on the tour. It was eight weeks of a tour, for an industrial tour. That's amazing. Wow. I know, two months. Where right did back, you, I where had did you tour? Oh, it was like Knoxville. and We went to oh, Vegas, wow. we went to Chicago. We went to all these places I'd never been before. It was fantastic. I was a, 18 years old or That's 19 years old, something like kid. that. 84, 83, 84, 85. summer like Summer Totally, it was yeah. great. And getting paid uh, um, uh, equity, so I got to join equity um, Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, Came home, put everything I owned in a basket. I had one of those, the laundry basket, got on a Greyhound bus and went back to um, San Francisco with my tail between my legs and did that show for another six months to save up some more money.
1: Dance Between the the Lines and Garvin show. That
2: show came, Emery Emery Garvin decided she was gonna bring it to LA. We, um, she was gonna take it to the Roxy Theater on Sunset of all places. Bad choice. (laughs) Because that was a hair band. Right. Venue. Rock and roll, baby. Total They're like, because we were answering the phone. Hi, is you know, Rat playing tonight? No, it's Dance Between the Lines. <laughs> yes. Hi, What's Dance Between the Lines? Um, so we ran there for like six weeks. Anne Marie lost her ass, lost her theater in San Francisco because we oh, lost all no. of her money. And um, we closed. But um, the good thing of it was for, for me personally, Steve Merritt came to see the show. He said, You want to do Pontiac Industrial this year? I was like, Yeah, I just did it last year. He's like, You're booked. Count on it. Fantastic. Like, okay. During the Pontiac Industrial, he's like, "I got this Chippendales show. No, I got this other sh- this other show we're gonna do." And while we're rehearsing for that, Dream Street. Dream Street. That's what it was. Dream Street. Dream Street that and went to Vegas. That went to. Um, it had been in Vegas, and I did it in, in Atlantic City. Okay. For six weeks in like September of that year, which was fantastic. Amazing. Making six hundred dollars a week was like. Roney man, it was fantastic. So many with great Michael people. With Michael who we were just talking about. Peggy Holmes. Peggy Holmes. Um, I mean, Leslie show, but, but it was a uh, Tommy Adcox, um, Victor Manuel in oh, this wow. in this version of it, and some great singers. Um, great show. Uh, I learned a lot. Linda Burnaby. Um, wow. Linda Talcott. Oh my goodness, what a great dancer. Um, anyways, came back from that, and I was doing this other show, uh, rehearsing with Bob Talmadge for an industrial, and. Um, and Steve sees me in, at Debbie Reynolds Studios and says, I want you to do Chippendales, we need you tonight. I was like, I'm in rehearsal for this. He's like, well you have a lunch hour, don't you? Michael Fullington teaches me, teach me the Chippendales show in a lunch hour, one hour to learn the whole show, no dress rehearsal, go on stage that night. Boom, bank, done. And, and you do it. And I did that show for a year. And you gotta and do right. it. And just... then I met this guy, which that's was right. legendary. That's right. When, when, when we, we, we'd go like to Denver, on Mondays and Tuesdays, we would go to Denver, Every week, Phoenix, or San Francisco. Right. And we do the show five nights a week here at the original they, Chippendales they Club. They had
0: shows
1: in Denver, Phoenix. They would, they would buy put out us at theaters. That. Yeah. At we, and we were a, at the Circle Star, the Circle theater, Star theater, theater. theater in, in Northern in line, California. North California. California. It's a big theater. Yeah. And they would sell it out to these thousands of, of women. girls. That would come in for the Chippendale show. Right. And we were the backup dancers. We would have so much fun. We were fully clothed, but we would assist the guys in their yeah, strips. Wow. the girls going.
2: Pretty go to Denver, Phoenix, or... San Francisco, it was party times. It was mid-80s. It
1: was crazy. Pretty amazing. Yeah. So I just want to touch on one more thing before. Nathan, you've been one of the uh, people that I've looked up to as far as maintaining your instrument, your body. You've had more breakdowns than a 66 Chevelle. But what has been... I guess, what can you tell the, young, the younger generation now about mm. knees, ankles, hips, back, and what you've learned, how to prevent, how to heal, how to maintain?
2: Um, you, right? Yeah, okay. So that's a huge subject, so I,
1: yes. It is a huge subject.
2: Um, my career, uh, it's been, this is my 41st year dancing, 40 years dancing, um, professionally for almost 40. Um, the majority of it, the majority years. of it, and I'm still dancing. I've did like I've done like ten gigs in the last year or so. Um, all of it on concrete, almost all of it. I would say 90% to 95% of my career has been on concrete. Not like a ballet star, which spends their entire career on a sprung, a sprung dance floor designed for dance. No one on the sidelines going, oh, where does it hurt? You know, um, you guys hurt. physical theory? You we get hurt. Dance <laughs> through it. What's, what are we, What are we told? Dance through it. Dance through the pain. Right? That's his so, new show. The, right, dance or the pain. Oh my goodness. So this is a great question. The more you know about your body, the better you can heal it. I've studied acupuncture. I've studied massage therapy. I've, I've been a Pilates instructor. Kinesiology. I've, been, I've studied kinesiology. I've studied uh, how the body functions, how the body works. And I've made some big mistakes in my life, in my uh, dance-wise. Um, dance when I'm uh, too tired, hungover. Um, Not warmed up um, Emotionally. Not warmed up. Uh, Not warmed up. Yeah, you can't just do the Advil warm-up and then think you're going to go ahead and do it. You know what I mean? Uh, If you know the gig is going to be really easy, then sometimes it's better to not warm up too much because you can get too flexible and too crazy. Never do something in rehearsal that you don't want to perform 70 times for the camera, okay? Never show off in rehearsal. That's a big one. Um, the, the uh, The more prepared you can be on all of those levels, the longer your longevity will be and the less... Price you'll have to pay when you get older. I'm paying a huge price daily now because I do a lot more things than just dance now. Um, I wish I could still just dance, but I do construction. I was a steady cam operator, I've been a DP, grip, a gaffer. Um, all really uh, physically. All, all taxing. really physical, yeah. Um, Indeed. And I'm bone on bone in, 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 in a couple of joints. This MTP joint is frozen, the metatarsal. Metatarsal phalangeal joint, frozen, doesn't bend, doesn't move. So releve is not really a thing for me anymore. <laughs> um, but I can still pirouette on that foot. I can't do on this one. This ankle is, is shot because it's just over, it's like, it's like a wobbly, it's like this, this ankle. Um, but yeah, uh, I did. I danced a little harder than a lot of my compatriots. That, a, and, lot and, and a lot harder, a lot harder. And uh, that was a choice as well, because um, it felt really good. And I wish I could still do that. I it was fun. <laughs> That was really fun. Indeed. Um, uh, yeah, I can't stress enough learning about the body. You know, dance translates into a lot of things. Um, a lot of my my uh, um, our generation has, has has translated their dance careers into uh, uh, into health. Mike is Mike is, is teaching Pilates full time, and and um, and there's a lot of people that I know that are physical therapists and personal trainers and yada yada. Because we because we know we understand the body so much. And because we uh, we're not given credit for that because we're just robots doing collo- somebody else's we're just, movement, we're just background noise. Um, no, we actually are artists that are have to have to take a very specific, um, have be, be very aware and specifically aware of our bodies and what they're doing. And um, and the, the more committed to our art we are, the more we will study those things. I know you take the average dancer and they can tell you more about the human body than most other professions, I would, I would venture to, to conjecture. For sure. Yeah. And there's those
1: times where you do want to show off for a new choreographer or something. For sure. But be very careful. Um, number one, that, that you're able to repeat that show off. You know, like you said, mm-hmm. you want to do it 60 times in front of camera. Number two, as a new dancer, not to be pressured into doing movement that you don't feel comfortable and safe with. Safe and yeah. that in that in, yeah comfort comfort you're not always comfortable But right. safe you need to be safe mm-hmm. uh, especially in partner work Absolutely. especially in partner
2: work it's not um, even really taught nowadays is it I don't, I don't know.
1: know I've had partners where they were uh,
2: ballroom is taught for sure but
1: it's it, it can be a joy to be lifting a a, a, a partner. Or a real drudge, and it's a, yeah. it's about the connection of the partner. It's about the training of the partner and how they can lift themselves mm-hmm. um, and so, communicating with and res- communicating. respect. You you a, because you, a feather, you you're a, a, team a
0: Yeah, but you also can't you can't be you can't be belligerent to your partner either, that's the other thing as well, because I look at, at a lot of partners now, I see a lot of guys, or girls, giving attitude to each other. You and, see blaming it, each and blaming each other. No, no, you got to come it's together. It's not that. It's not that at all, and you'll never get through it otherwise. It's because you're right, because there's going to be some movement there for either one of you that's going to... Maybe catch in a, a, a bad way, it's gonna affect you. So if, you know, you have got to talk to mm-hmm. yourself, hey, I need a bit more support here, or "I can you not mm-hmm. be Can you be a bit more on your leg on that part? You know, it's always about that, but not or putting each other Or is there a way I
2: can help you be more on your exactly leg on this part? Exactly. turning right. my back it, when, I, exactly. when I, I know that I'm not putting you in the right spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's about those but kind look, of also politics.
0: also, uh, one thing I wanted to touch on,
2: about talking about
0: our generation of dancers, and all the injuries and everything that we've had, this generation of dancers, I don't think they tend to. It's not. It's not very au courant or, or, or chic to hit things as hard as we did. Mm. Oh no, it's not. You know, and they so almost either. frown. Oh, you're giving too much. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, and, and they, hmm. they looked at. No, I've got that so oh, many yeah. times. interesting. Yeah, yeah it's,
2: it's a different my mindset. My marking is you know? your full out. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I make that joke all the time no, with, no. with kids that I'm working with, and they're like, Oh my god, that's funny. Yeah, I'm like, not really. Yeah, it's no, it's kind of true, sad actually. But mean, my point is, I bring my marking down to match your full out. You know, the point
0: I guess is, you see this bit, they're disconnected from the audience and as an audience member, if you are not engaged, then why should I be engaged? But when you see someone give their heart and they just give Mm. so much of them, all of a sudden I'm like, oh my, you know, there's a reciprocity there. And it's not not narcissistic. This is all too much about me and how cool I am. And if you look Mm. like you don't care, then why should I care? Mm
1: -hmm. Right, and that's that nonchalance that's permeated the coolness factor, Mm. that's permeated the movement of today that, the audience doesn't get the same charge and connection mm-hmm. to the performance on stage, and they're not being brought into that journey of the artistic you know, experience, what is agree. it? And I
2: completely agree, and I also, I think that a lot of the choreographers nowadays don't see the larger picture, like if you're in an audience, the larger picture meaning, if you're in the back up here in the audience, all they see is this. Right. Formations, mob moving, right. that kind of thing. It's not all about all this little intricate movement. That's the only the front three rows can yeah, see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. the, all your little facial expressions and stuff that you're, mm-hmm. that you're gonna make. Oh, you're so hot, you're so hot, you're so hot. Yes, mm-hmm. you are. And you have to perform that way for the first three rows. But anything, anything back further than that, all they're seeing is formations. So right. make it so the choreographers need to be aware of this as well. Right. And it, it doesn't mean a line change every once in a while.
1: No, no. Yeah,
2: well, I'm gonna go over more. here and dance.
1: Mm.
0: Then
2: I'm gonna go over here and dance. Yeah. No.
0: Yeah, it's, well, it's come to that yeah. time, unfortunately. So you guys, yeah. I want to
1: make sure that you, we want to invite you to ask us questions or comment on anything we've said, or if you have ideas or stories, share with us. We'd love to uh, share with the with our audience. Feel free to email us at Flow at gmail.com or check out our YouTube channel at Flow at youtube.com. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Ciao. Be kind to each other. Awesome guys.